Good morning, everybody. Let's um, start today, as usual, by declaring the glory of the Lord. Psalm number 48. I want to let's go. Great is the Lord. And greatly to be praised in the city of our God, his holy mountain. Beautiful in elevation, the joy of the whole earth. is Mount Zion on the far north, the city of the great king. God in her palaces has made himself known as a stronghold. For lo, the kings assembled themselves. They passed by together. They saw it. Then they were amazed. They were terrified. They fled in alarm. Panic seized them there. Anguish as of a woman in childbirth. With the waist end, you break the ships of Tarshish. As we have heard, so we have seen. In the city of the Lord of hosts, in the city of our God, God will establish her forever. We have thought on your loving kindness, O God, in the midst of your temple. As is your name, O God, so is your praise to the ends of the earth. Your right hand is full of righteousness. Let Mount Zion be glad. Let the daughters of Judah rejoice because of your judgments. Walk about Zion and go around her. Count her towers. Consider her ramparts. Go through her palaces that you may tell it to the next generation. For such is God, our God forever and ever. He will guide us until death. Amen? Amen. I said amen. amen. Such is God, our God forever and ever. And he will guide us until death. Father, we thank you this morning for we have come to receive from you insight. We have come to receive from you understanding. Thank you because you have granted us a willing and understanding heart. A heart that loves you. A heart that draws near to you. Because we believe these things, we declare as follows. The Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of his will. In all spiritual wisdom and understanding. As a result of this, I'm walking in manner worthy of the Lord. I'm pleasing him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing in the knowledge of God. Now again, I incline my ears to his word. The word is entering my heart. It is giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it's making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. Amen. Amen. The Lord is good. I will take our seats. All right, once again, I say good morning. You know what that means? It means a good morning. You will be blessed this morning. All right, let's take up two portions of the scriptures as our Bible reading. We'll start from the book of Psalms. We've been reading for some time, 144. Psalm number 144. Please let me beg ahead of time. Hmm? Resist the temptation to say amen. I'm reading. <laughs> the prayers are very nice, I understand. So people tend to start shouting amen. It's a Bible reading for now, all right? You can pray by yourself later. We will get back to it later, all right? At the end, and when it becomes a prayer. But for now, just a Bible reading. It's a Psalm of David. And he was praying. He said, let our sons in their youth be as grown-up pillars. Now, I hope you know David was a prophet. 
Now, that's not often emphasized, but David is one, or was one of the greatest prophets of the, well, what we call the Old Testament in the former times. Very few people spoke about the Messiah. Very few people spoke about the Lord coming as much as David did. The very, very few. Okay? So many of the things he said, they were prophetic. They were not just his desires. His life, you must understand, God sometimes will give you a life to paint a picture. I hope you're getting my point. So that's why Isaiah meant when he said, Behold, I and the children that the Lord has given me, we are for what? Signs and wonders. What he wasn't saying that we do signs. What was he doing? We do wonders. That's not what he was saying. He was saying, you look at us. All right? We are signs of what God is about to do. So that is why he will tell you, and I approached the prophetess, and then she conceived, and bore his son. And then God will tell him, call him Mea Shala Al-Hashba. One long name. <laughs> I hope you're getting my point. What does that name mean? Before the child will be able to say this and this, this will have happened. That child is a sign. Do you get that um, spiritual principle there? All right. So, David's life, there were many signs in his life. And God gave him as a sign. So many of his lamentations will turn out to be prophetic words. They will say David said this after he had, you know, after he had gone into Bathsheba and killed Uriah. He will, now, he will now write a psalm. Yes, he did. But then the psalm he wrote was a spirit of prophecy that came upon him. If you go and read, he said, but that was when he said, that Moses did the same thing. He didn't do anything, but he gave the same word. If you go and read Deuteronomy 32, Moses was describing what had not happened. They backslid. They went into captivity. Then they cried to God. They repented. It hadn't happened. But he said it ahead. So David also would do that. All right? He would describe the kind of situation that many children of God will fall into. Say, when you get in there, this is how they come out. Pick this Psalm 51 and read it. Let it be your prayer. One of the things Christians don't understand, when the Bible says that prayer according to the will of God. I pray we'll get this thing. Eh? See, everything has, everything has its own... Um, what, what am I looking for now? See, everything God does, every movement, has its main message, its blessing, but he has his own excesses, which you have to be careful concerning. This Pentecostal movement, at least, I came into it as a young student on university those days. All right, even before then, we had started, we were attending meetings where Pentecostal things were going on, all right, even before I got to university. So we learned a lot about the move of the Spirit and all of that. But one major thing that I think was one of the excesses in which we corrupted things that were before was that we made spontaneous prayer the rule. In fact, I saw a man once when we were in school. He said, if you are still praying the Lord's Prayer, you are backsliding. But if you enter a Catholic church, you enter an Anglican church, you enter an Orthodox church, they have, a, they have books of prayer. They will recite, look, there's no service they come for, they will not recite the Lord's Prayer. But you enter a Pentecostal church, it's one of the first things they threw away. They say it's just a pattern. There is a pattern in it, but there's also a literalness to it. The Orthodox people will carry it and use it literally. I think one of the excesses of Pentecostals was that they took the book 
the Bible now. I'm not talking about any uh, a book somebody else wrote. Okay, and some of those books are also good. But they just talked about the Bible. They took the book of prayers or the prayers in the Bible and they stopped using them. So when you tell a typical Pentecostal to pray, it has no word to say in English. It's not filled with the Spirit. He has nothing to say. You can't discern between the person who's talking gibberish and the person who's really talking by the Spirit who's uttering things unto God. No. Because they don't even bother. They were not trained to pray with Scripture. One of the things I... (laughs) School of Prayer that I teach... One of the things I try to emphasize to believers is pray with the word of God, the one that is written. You don't have to be so spontaneous. It's very unlikely you will ever have words better than that one that God gave a prophet to speak under the same circumstances. So when the Bible says, if you pray in accordance with his will, that was what he was saying. I was going to say that. Many of us don't realize it. We think that, okay, does God want me to step out or not step out? Okay, Father God, as I step, okay, if it's not your will, don't bless the stepping out. No, 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 that's not what he meant by pray with his will. Take the word of God that says that he will be with you in your going out and your coming in. That is the word of God. That is praying in accordance with his will. The Lord is my shepherd. He's praying in accordance with his will. As I step out, Lord, you are my shepherd. That is praying in accordance with his will. When I say, okay, I don't know what to pray, which one is the will of God here? Just read the scriptures. That's what he was saying. Just take the scriptures. Use the word that is written to pray. That is when you are praying in accordance with his will. His will is his word. I'll be getting my point. It's one thing that a lot of us who claim to be Pentecostals, Charismatics, and all of that, we have, you know, we just, it's one area where we just bleed. We bleed white. I'll say it clearly. Hmm? When you come for joint prayer, a lot of things we do in Christian, in Pentecostal circles, it's pure cacophony. It's not praying. One day I heard the preacher say something. He was reading, now after the Holy Spirit had come down, Peter prayed, after they were, you know, um, threatened, they Peter, you know, gathered his people, and then they prayed, and said, and then the preacher said, um, what they said was what God heard. No, the man said he felt that they were praying the way we normally pray. Everybody saying anything they like. So when the Bible now records what these people said, like Peter said. The Bible says that when they went to their own company, they lifted up their voices to God with one accord and said, O Lord, it is you who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is in them, who by the Holy Spirit, through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said, of course, you know the scripture, I'm reading from Acts chapter 4. All right, so he continued, he quoted the scriptures there in those two verses, 25 and 26. They now uttered words, for truly in this city they were gathered together against your Holy servant Jesus, whom you appointed. Alright? He said, and now Lord, take note. I'm jumping because of time. This is not the main message for the day. And now Lord, take note of their threats and grant that your bond servants may speak your word with all confidence while you extend your hand to heal and signs and wonders take place through the name of your holy servant Jesus. Now, you will notice there's nothing he said here that doesn't have a Bible reference or the words of the Lord Jesus Christ. Signs and wonders shall follow those who believe. Jesus already told them that. 
So he asked God to confirm it. He quoted a portion of the scriptures from Psalm 2, which we all know. Why do the Gentiles rage and the peoples devise futile things? He quoted a particular scripture. There's nothing he said that was not lifted from the scriptures. All right? He was praying in accordance with his will. So this man was saying, when he saw this order, he said that this was what God heard. That all of them were, you know the way we normally do. When they lifted their voice, like, hey, Baba, if it was us, you know what we would do? Begin to pray. Look at what they have said. Pray that God. Then this man is saying one thing. This woman is saying another. Those men are saying one thing. Of course, only about 15% are speaking in the language they know. The rest are speaking all kinds of things. So the man just assumed that that was what they were doing. So he said that after everything, this was what God heard. So God now inspired Luke to write this as it is what I heard. No, that was not what happened. You want to know what happened? I'll tell you. One person rose and lifted up his voice or her voice. I assume it was Peter. He tended to lead. Yeah, are you getting my point? And he said these words and the people will interject with an amen. I hope you're getting my point. That's what they will do. Periodically, you get somewhere, or even if they are not shouting loud, they are, they are, how do I say it? Their hearts were with him. As he's saying it, they are nodding and they are each person saying his own amen. Amen. They're not disturbing him. They're not disturbing anybody. They're in agreement. At the end of the day, we say, let the people say amen. Do you get my point? Yeah. That's what they do. That's what they did. If you go and read these Psalms, when they want to praise God, they used to have something that they all said. You see, if you enter into a Catholic church, that's what they call the responsorial sound. They will tell you this is the response for today. Those things are very good. But when you tell the Pentecostal, it's like, ah, prayer is not supposed to have order. How can you plan, plan what you will say ahead? You have to be moved by the Spirit at that particular point in time. No. You can plan what you will say ahead. The Orthodox people, I think Anglicans also have things like that. They will tell you, want to pray. This is the response you are going to give today. All you need to do is open the Psalms. You will see it. For the Lord is good and his mercies endure forever. They keep on saying that. If you see when Jehoshaphat was going out, exactly what he did. That's why they have songs. Please, I'm begging Pentecostals. Don't feel superior because you can, you can gyrate. You know, we Pentecostals, we, I like to say we so that I don't be like I'm criticizing anybody. Let us pray. You know, we scatter the whole. In fact, one brother will say, do something crazy. People actually carry a chair on their head. <laughs> Brethren, please stop it. That one is not good. If you understand the solemnity of prayer, you won't do that. How can you say you are praying, you are carrying a chair? Okay, go before the governor, enter his office. Or can this thing is serious, or carry his chair, put it on your head. The guy will look at you, are you okay? <laughs> I hope you are getting my point. It's our excitement. You know, you know God in heaven. He just tolerates a lot of things we do. Some of them are not right, but they are not weightier matters of the Lord. Just overlooks them. But if you think about it well, you're talking to somebody. Why do we pay supper on that which I recommend? So that you don't, if, especially when you're alone, so that you don't get sleepy. Sometimes if you kneel down, you may start getting sleepy. Sometimes you get up, you just walk up and down to keep yourself awake. And because you are talking in the, in the, to somebody in the spirit, all right? So, whether you move here or move there, you may not be really bothered, all right? 
But just know that you are talking to somebody. If you can stand, hands lifted, fantastic. If you must kneel, good. But if you're feeling a bit sleepy, yes, it's okay to just pace up and down. But please, especially when we are together, let's stop the disorder. I think we should stop disorder when we are together. I think Pentecostals need to go into Orthodox churches and see how communal prayer is supposed to be. We like too much cacophony. The noisier, the better. And then we have this funny way of those this, you know, I, I was there too, alright? We have this funny way of defending bad things. They say, why do you shout so much? God is not deaf. Now listen. The person say, why do you shout so much? God is not deaf, alright? You may not like the fact that he said it, but you know the fellow is very reasonable. Do you have to shout so much? Now I'm not saying don't shout. It's the answer we used to give them that I look back and I said it's not right. They say he's not nervous either. That is it. That is, God is not deaf. The person says it's an argument. Alright? They give a counter argument that he's not sensitive to noise. I don't think you have answered the question. A better answer would have been, bro, that's body they move me. Do you get my point? Uh-huh. I said one day a friend of mine was praying in, the, in my house. My cousin came and he asked whether I had a dog. So I tried to explain to him that it's not a problem. It's my friend. He's praying. He's in the room. He's a very spiritual person. So that day he came. I was my cousin and his friend in the sitting room. We were talking and the guy was praying in the room. In the room. My cousin was quiet for a while. After I asked whether I had a dog. <laughs> so I said, no, I don't have a dog. That is not a problem. My friend is praying. So he comes to talk after a while. He said, no, no, that, that, <laughs> that, no, that is a dog barking. I couldn't convince him that it wasn't a dog barking. That, that's how my friend prays. <laughs> now, that's not a big deal because... I mean, it's a private space. All right. Funny enough, I was so used to him, I would not have noticed. It's because my cousin was there who came to visit. Me, I wouldn't have noticed. But it's, it's private space, so it's okay. You can do anything. Like, you can roll on your head. All right. You can stand upside down. All right. Lord, this thing is gripping me. You put your sweat blood like Jesus did if you want to. It's okay. But when we come together, all right, I think we should learn the habit of living there, having prayed something that we all know we asked God for. Do you get my point? Yes, it's very, very important. That's why anytime we pray together, even though we give each other time to say what we want to say, it's always good that we summarize. We call somebody, please, end that prayer for us. Like we always do, you see, we pray for somebody at the end of the day, one or two people will now come and essentially summarize all the prayers. And each time we are being told, ask God to, you know, we are being told what to say. That's, a proper, that's very, very proper. But you know the truth? Even if you didn't talk by yourself, if one person was picked to say, bless this person, as long as your heart is with that prayer, maybe your head is bowed, it's good you may shut your eyes to concentrate or you may look, it's okay, and at the proper times you add amen. That is valid communal praying. Please, I just want you to understand that. So, the book of, especially the Psalms, not only Psalms, you find all over scriptures. They were recorded for us to learn how to pray. You will see that Hannah magnified God. Go and cram what Hannah said. Some of the things we do once in a while here. We declare from that first Samuel chapter 2. 
you will hear that Miriam sang a song. Go and, go and memorize the song. These are prophetic songs. You are not going to do better than them, I can assure you. Unless you are doing another song. But under the same circumstances, I doubt you will do better. Because they were inspired of the Holy Spirit. Is that okay? Please, read your prayer book. What did I say? I didn't whisper when I said it. So why are you whispering it back to me? What did I say? Thank you. What's the prayer book? Your Bible. Thank you. The portion of the Bible that has its largest number of prayers is the book of Psalms. Paul taught us a lot. Go and see how he introduced each of his letters. Those are prayers you learn. You want to praise God, you don't even need to be innovative. Just read the Bible. In my own Bible, I underline anywhere God is praised. So I have, I don't know how many now, but literally should be definitely scores and scores which I have already underlined. If I want to compose praise for God, it's not hard. Thank God for smart devices. I press a few keys. You see, you know, hundreds of lines of praise will pop up. And God doesn't mind. See, it must come from your heart. Why do you think I went through all of that? It's because my heart is looking for the best words to use. Do you get the point? <laughs> so we're reading somewhere, right? Psalm what? 144. So, I, I took that interruption to explain that David was a prophet... And it was prophesying for us what God would do in the life of someone whom God has injected life into him. A society into whom God has injected life. What are they going to experience? He said, let our sons in their youth be as grown-up plants and our daughters as corner pillars fashioned for a palace. I always like to read this portion in the New Living Translation. It's very beautiful there. He said, may our sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. May our daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. May our barns be filled with crops of every kind. May the flocks in our fields multiply by the thousands, even tens of thousands. And may our oxen be loaded down with produce. That is, so heavy is our, our harvest. May there be no enemy breaking through our walls, no going into captivity, no cries of alarm in our town squares. Say yes. Now I'm going to modify these words a bit. Okay, after reading it, I'll go right. He said, yes, joyful are those who live like this. Joyful indeed are those whose God is the Lord. That is, blessed are those who have life. And the life is manifesting in this way. Joyful indeed are those who God has given life through the Lord Jesus Christ. I'm just adding those words to explain some things further. So David was being prophetic about this, is the point I'm trying to make. He was explaining to us that God's plan, when death has been removed, when the effect of death has been suspended, is that our sons will flourish in their youths like well-nurtured plants. Is that our daughters will be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. The effect of life is that our barns will be filled with crops of every kind. And our flocks in our fields will multiply by thousands. Our businesses will blossom, they will grow. And our harvest, the time we take in profit, we will find that our accounts will swell. We will bring in goods from our farms. Our oxen will be loaded down with produce. And they will have security, we will have safety. Enemies breaking into our homes, hacking into our accounts, Kidnapping us on the road. Armed robbers taking things from us by force. 
land grabbers grabbing our lands. He said, those things are not the will of God. He said, there should be no enemy breaking through our walls, and we should not be going into captivity. We shouldn't sell ourselves for any reason, all right, as slaves for prosperity. There should be no cries of alarm in our town squares. So that is what God does when life is manifesting in the life of a people in a society. All right, 2 Corinthians chapter 8. We've been looking at the grace of the Lord Jesus. So let's just read this particular portion. The one we've read many times is the prayer that Paul used to end. And he said, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God. Now let's just read this. Let's start from verse 7, all right? I'll stop when I think we've gotten enough of context. Verse 9 is the main thing we are trying to read. He said, but just as you are bound in everything, in faith and utterance, and knowledge, and in all earnestness, and in the love we inspired in you, see that you are bound in this gracious work also. I am not speaking this as a command, but as proving through the earnestness of others the sincerity of your love also. Others have shown the sincerity of their love, okay, in being generous to the brethren in need. And that's a good example for you to follow. He said, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. That's the main verse we are coming to. You know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. What is his grace? That though he was rich, yet for your sake he became poor, so that you through his poverty might become rich. I'm going to stop reading that verse 9. That is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. He was rich, yet for our sake. He became poor, so that we, through his poverty, might become rich. When we're looking at the faith foundations for the Christian work, which actually this series is a continuation of, we looked at that and explained about substitution and identification. That Jesus was, he carried our sins, so all the punishment due for us, due to us, all right, was given to him. And all the blessings that he deserved because of his righteous work before the Father, the blessings were given to us. That is what Christianity is. Christianity is an exchange with Jesus Christ. The things that he deserved, we collect. The things that we deserve, he takes. I hope you're getting my point. So when we offend, we should be punished. But when we confess, he is punished, all right, for our sake. And that's why he ever lives to make intercession. That is any time we commit. That's why John said it. We should confess our sins. When we confess our sins, what happens is that he has such an abundant credit, or let me say abundant account with God, that our debit is easily soaked in by his abundance. I hope you're getting my point. So that's what he does. He takes our sins and, you know, intercedes before the Father for us. I said it many times. I should repeat it. Forgiveness is not free. Somebody has to pay. Don't ever forget that thing. It's not free. Somebody must make the payment. It's just that it's Jesus that makes our payment when God is forgiving us. Forgiveness is not free. That is why don't follow anybody who cannot pay. I don't know whether you're getting my point. Yeah, because it's not free. You follow a religion where the founder can't pay. He can only teach you how to meditate. He can only teach you how to try. <laughs> it's risky. Do you know, there's, there's no, you know, 
I told you, I read around a bit, did some studies. And I found out that no major religion in this world promises anything. None. They don't promise. They tell you how to attempt. They tell you how to improve your chances. They tell you how to survive judgment. That if you pray this number of times a day, you understand, and you do all these good works, you now qualify, at least you now say, peradventure, I will receive mercy. They don't, see, it's not heresy. I mean, like, I'm not misrepresenting anybody. They don't promise anything. They let you know, no, no, we're not promising anything. No, no prophets came to promise anything. Some say you keep on reincarnating and paying by yourself. And that's what some people say. That when you die, all your sins, they go down weigh, they go down weigh them. They look and say, all these ones, you are owing like, um, can we, let's use money. Alright? This guy owing like 75 billion naira worth of iniquity. And he's dying. Who will now pay? He said, there's no problem. Bring him back. So after a few years, another woman will give birth to a child. And they will return. You know why? To come and work for 75 billion naira worth of iniquity. There's only one problem. Did I, 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 was, I was driving hearing them on radio. I said, there's a problem. Who will, how will he pay for the one he will commit next time he comes? So, look, if you think about the simple logic, you get into a perpetual cycle of debt and work. You can never pay. You work to repay. You come back. You owe some more. Only Jesus Christ came and promised a way to the Father. And the difference, please, for those who don't understand, let's say it again. The difference between God and when we call him Father, all right, is that when you go to God, mostly he acts as a judge. When you come to the Father, all right, you come through the Son who has paid. So you don't come for judgment. I don't know whether you're getting my point. That's the reason why you are safe. Not because his sins don't count, but because somebody paid. So that's why he said, no one can come to the Father except by me. It has, there's no other way. You can come to God. You know, people have tried to put Christians on the star. You're saying that yeah, Christianity is the only way to God. No, it's not. Please, let's get it clear. It's not. Judaism is the way to God. Islam is the way to God. But the way to the Father, uh, only Christianity is. The other people don't even make a claim to what we are saying. Please, I hope you are getting my point. All right? So, what is Christianity? Is that Jesus gives us a guarantee that as long as you are working with me, don't go away. Some people tried to go away thinking they were doing good. Read the story in the book of Galatians. Somebody came to preach to them that you need to go and work for your own salvation. Paul got angry. He saw people committing adultery in the church in Corinth, scattering the church while they are having communion, prophesying without control. He didn't get that angry. He rebuked them, he cautioned them, he warned them. But when somebody went to the churches in Galicia and told them that, listen, for you to be saved, you need to walk. It's your work that will save you. Paul said, let him be accursed. He said, let him be accursed. Because he realized this fellow is sending these people into perdition. That there's more hope for the people in Corinth than for the Galatian Christians who believe that nonsense. That there's more hope for those people that will come to church and be in groups 
said those who are on the side of Chooks, be on this side. And those who came with Judah on that side. And they are eating their food. They are not sharing with each other. And they came for communion. Paul said there's more hope for them than for the Galatians who come, wash their hands properly, go all of the boys, go for circumcision. They sit in a proper row and they do everything properly. Say there's more hope for these other people. Why? Because these people are trying to work their own salvation. Whereas these ones, important I say this today, these ones are receiving what God has done for them. He's not condoning their lifestyle. Please go and read your Bible well. He didn't condone it for one moment. He told them this is not appropriate. He told them this is not befitting. He told them you have to walk in a manner that is worthy of the Lord. He told them that some things are not to be named among Christians. He didn't condone the lifestyle for one moment. But he said at least you have more hope than those self-righteous people who think that they can end their salvation. So what is Christ? The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. What is the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ? It is that he was rich, yet for our sake he became poor, so that we through his poverty might become rich. That is the summary of what Christianity is. Please, I hope you are getting that again, all right? So we said he came to give us what? Abundant life. What I'm going into today is how to activate that abundant life. Remember, okay, I should start with this. Life, we said, is in three levels. Abundant life is in how many levels? Three. Three, thank you very much. What's the first level? Realm of the spirit. What is abundant life in that area? Jesus said, this is eternal life that they will know you. Is abundant life to be able to approach the throne of grace in the time of need and obtain mercy and find grace to help. It's abundant life. Don't take it lightly. Hey, 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 hey. See, Job's friends talk nonsense. God referred them to Job for prayer. I don't know whether I hear that. They couldn't pray themselves. They had to take sacrifice and go and meet Job. Job had to intercede for them. Abimelech, God talked to Abimelech. What are you doing? Abimelech said, like what? I'm sleeping. He woke me up. I mean, there's a new wife you have. Oh, yes. I mean, the sister of the, the man that just came. He said, God said, no. You're a dead man. Why? Because you took a prophet's wife. He said, but you were there now. He said, it's his sister. God said, that is why I've come to talk to you. Normally, those who do it knowingly, they just wake up in the morning and discover they are dead. (laughs) Say, I just restrained myself because I know you didn't know really. But it's still a sin. It's a sin what the Bible calls not unto death. So how do you get life now that you have committed the sin? You will go to the man. That's where I'm going. He will pray for you. Abimelech couldn't pray for himself. But you, not only can you pray for yourself, you can pray for other people. And you think it is cheap. It is not. Not only can you pray for yourself, you will bless your children and God will hear. (laughs) To approach God for yourself is not cheap. To not have abundant mercy to be able to approach him for somebody else. Let me tell you what it means to intercede. We studied prayer. Please don't miss the next one on Friday. You know, the discussion, even if you are not here physically, just log in. All right, join us online. It's on Kingdom World Radio. All right? 
For you to be able to intercede for somebody, you know what it means? You have mercy in abundance. Yeah, because everything has a cost. You are sharing the mercy you have. It means that God is looking at you and saying, see that guy, see that girl, I should have punished him, I should have punished her. But because of you, that's what it means. If God can't say because of you, then don't forget, don't, don't bother praying. It's a waste of time. Please, I've gone to a point of digression. I will digress more. Please, all of you note where I was so that you can help me come back. Why? I'm talking about eternal life, right? It's the first level of what? Abundance. Okay, abundant life. That Jesus talked about in John chapter 10. Now, I want to digress into the matter of intercession for a moment. I have reasoned well about it. And what I'm saying is not a joke. See, this is our country we live in. I've talked to enough people to know that this country does not deserve the amount of blessing that we have. One day, one guy stood in front of me, was complaining. Hey, do you know dollar is almost a thousand naira? I said it should be five thousand. Just you don't understand. You're talking about a thousand? God forgive me. The average person on the street in this nation is very wicked. They are wicked. They are evil. Forget what they complain. They complain. They will ruin this country. For their own good. No, not for their good. For their own pockets. For their own material gain. Because they don't know it's not doing them good. I said, look, redeeming a land requires sacrifice. No, I said so. You need to sacrifice. So this story many times. When I first came to Enugu, they said our students that were having problems, they approached me to help them. So I said, all right, we'll organize tutorials. So they were like, initially they were four. Then they were the number came, became about six or eight. So we used to meet in my office. I give them tutorials. There was one young lady amongst them. Why am I telling this story? I helped them very well. In fact, using her words, because I told them that you will be happy you met me. There's a long story about it because they didn't learn the subjects at all before I came. All right? So I said, you'll be very happy you met me. So just trying to make the story short. So I helped them very well. And one day she came to my office. She said, thank God you came home. Thank God we met you. She actually said, she used those words. Why? She just, she just came back from abroad. She went for an elective, what we call elective. Spent a few weeks in a hospital somewhere in Europe. And said, hmm, were it not for you? Her words. I would have been looking like a fool. Said, but when they would ask questions, he said, sir, ah, those things you taught us now, I will just give it to them. Ah, I, let me tell you, sir, I shined for them. Ah, I was looking at her thanking God. He said, that place is beautiful. I thank God. He said, young, intelligent people like you are just wasting away here. Somebody who I just rescued from death. <laughs> telling me I'm wasting. Of course, then I was much younger than the Akinlo had not been born the time I'm telling you. So you can imagine how young I was there. All right? Ah, young people like you are just wasting away here. That if you go there, your intelligence will, actually come, will, will shine, will show. Sir, please, eh, just pack your load and go there. I sat down. It was my office. I was looking at this girl like this. As she was ranting and ranting. She didn't know what she was doing to me. When she got to that point, I was getting irritated. He said, sir, please, eh, ah, once you, just pack eh, and just go there. That's where you belong. So I asked her a simple question. I said, the next set of ignoramuses like you that will show up, who will help them? Those were my words. I said, the next set of ignoramuses like you, when they show up, when this young, intelligent person that's wasting away here, 
will have gone there. I said, who will help them? After all, why you are so happy you met me with that? There was nobody here. This hospital had not, the university had not had a full-time pathologist in 10 years. 10 or 11 years before I came. And one of the people I rescued gave lectures, taught them the fundamental understanding of diseases. You are medical doctors to be, for goodness sake. The only thing she, of course, she, she came to appreciate my help in her life. But she felt the future was that I need to get out. And I said, okay, this is, a, this is one of Nigeria's foremost universities. The College of Medicine did not have a pathologist. And the only counsel somebody I just had could give me is that I should go away. First time I went for a training in the United States, stayed in a, one of their top, in fact, the second biggest cancer center there for a few weeks. I was talking one day with the secretary of the department. I said, how many pathologists do people have? And she told me they had over 100 in one institution. I looked at her. Why to my look at her like, excuse me. I said pathologists. Anatomic pathology, you know. He said, yes, there are 100. There are over 100. He said, remember I told her we're bringing a new building. I told her I'm going home. Yeah, because then the whole of Nigeria didn't have 50 at that time. The whole country did not have 50. They, we didn't have up to 50. I'm saying 50, so I will not, you know, grossly underestimate. I was in, that day, we're at the bus stop. I was in front of a building that had a hundred, one institution. America's population till now is not up to double that of Nigeria. I looked at the woman and I said, are you serious? Because I was in a special unit, so all the pathologists were like 10 or so. I didn't know the rest of them were that plenty. I told her, I am going home. Nobody can persuade me to stay behind here. I said, that would be wickedness. Like Bishop Oedipo would say, how will my people be saved? That's what I was thinking. How will they be saved? Who's going to train this next set of students? These guys are had a hundred in one institution. And the whole of Nigeria did not have 50. I said, I don't care how much money you are paying me, I'm going home. Good enough, I was not planning to stay anyway. Whatever little temptation may have been coming on the horizon has been crushed. Satan, get behind me. See, the average person on the street in this country, they don't love the nation. Talking to one of my friends the other day, well, a number of us were chatting. And this government, and this government, Urukuruku government, government, anyway. Of course, you know, you know they kind of talk all the time, all right? Then finally, one of them said, ah, if a young man wants to, I was talking about the current brain drain. And they said that uh, the country has not been fair to people. I said, leave that in. I said, those who are leaving the country now are the ones that the country has been fair to. Because the cost of living is heavy. I said, so let's leave that in. When you have, find a bank manager resign, sell his house, like the guy who was doing the other video we saw, who owned a private clinic, had three cars, two houses at least from what he said. And, said, and he said that, don't bother coming. It's not that easy. He said, but I'm doing it for my child. I said, look, listen. That guy, conservatively put, will have spent over 30 million naira for that relocation. That's why they sell houses to do it. So I said, let's leave that thing. It's not poverty. There are other things I don't want to discuss. But where I'm going is this. The person now said, eh, anyway, Sha, if you see any young man, oh, no, he now said, if you see a young man that I want to go, are you going to discourage him? I said, yes, of course. I said, if you are making this kind of impact, I will discourage you from selling your clinic, selling your car, selling your houses, sacking your staff. Because he wanted to get a passport, a Canadian citizenship for three children or two that he had. I said, what are you talking about? Of course I would discourage this person. I said, no, 
Uh, don't discourage them. So I, I just left the discussion there. I wanted to say. Then you will come tomorrow and say there's bad government. And you are telling him not to discourage good government from living. So who will on earth be the next set of good people that you want in government? It's a spiritual principle. I want people to learn it. When the first thing the most brilliant person does after he has the opportunity and makes some money is to exit, go and read the story of entropy in chemistry and physics. When the higher energy particles leave, there's cooling. It's the principle of cooling. It's the thermodynamic explanation for cooling. Why evaporation causes cooling? The hotter particles, they have higher energy, they leave. There's, you know, it's proportional. Can I take energy proportional to temperature? I lie. By the way, that was taught to me in secondary school in 1984. I never forgot it. <laughs> Our teacher, he explained it. Didn't fully understand it, but I put it in my head. Years later, I understood it when it came to Nigeria matters. <laughs> like we said the other day, I was quoting the founder of Flutter with one of the founders. I said, I sacrifice, you gain. The nation has to gain. Now, by, back to the main thing I'm saying. Right now, after assessing it, the deception, the lies people tell themselves, the hatred they have for the country, the finger pointing, what do I call finger pointing? When people will never admit that they are the problem, but it's the government. And I keep on saying, which government? Why do we keep on blaming government? I said, government built Second Niger Bridge. The Nigerians went to vandalize it the week after it opened. Anyway, the Bible says you should remove the finger pointing from the midst of thee. We do finger pointing. We hate the nation. Now, where I'm going with all of this is that what is normal for a country like that hmm, is war, is farming, is no infrastructure. Not the one that in the midst of it, the former government managed to build several hundred kilometers of rail. No. Not the one that the blue, blue line or red line that Lagos finally launched. Two days ago, I saw they said they are now carrying cargo now from, by rail from Lagos to Ibadan. I keep on reading little, little bits of development. But in that we used to, that if I was supposed to go to from Portaco with boats, after some time, you will be able to go by road. Things are happening. Things are still happening. Their second, their, this train seven is being built. We keep on having new airports. They are opening. People don't notice those things. So. They said that, uh, uh, can there be, what do you call it, grid failure? I said, listen, my friend. I said, by the time you were reading about it, it has started waking up. That is, by the time it was published, the failure had been corrected. Listen to me. God doesn't bless such people. That's what I'm saying. They say dollar is almost a thousand. I say, ah, when it is not three thousand, and you are still talking. Just thank God I'm not the one the elected president. Because I'm going to peg that thing at two thousand, and all of you can go and complain. That way, all of you that decide to carry children to university where you can't afford, you will bring them back to UNN. And it's because of you I will do it too. Because you create a useless need for dollars. Many of the dollar need we have in this country, we are not supposed to need it. Just wait. When I become president, just be afraid. All those you wicked people. <laughs> wait till I go take your IC. 
And you can't vote me out. I'll cancel the next election. <laughs> See, I will do you poor Kagami. I'm taking 20 years to teach everybody lessons. That is it. <laughs> no, because we ruin the economy and demand it should be good. The wickedness we have towards the nation. Oh, you don't want to see it. I don't want to see that be analyzing. You give, they say, universe. when Asu goes on strike, I'm sorry to say, I laugh at them. As Asu, talk to yourself, forget all this federal government you are fighting. They say, development, development of federal government. Say, okay, here is 200 billion for this and this and that and that. They start giving out the money to themselves, I mean, which is supposed to be to travel and go and study. 90% won't come back. That money that Asu, a federal government gave to them to go and get you know, some qualifications, which was meant to develop their institution, is wasted most times. Federal government knows they'll just be looking at everybody. It's the reason I heard that <laughs> when Tashilari finished criticizing Babangida, Babangida started Pupu's bank and put him in charge to let the poor people breathe. <laughs> when poor people finished with Tashilari, he came back to Babangida with his tail between his legs. Oh God, am I going to prison? Babangida said, no, 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 you're not going to prison. Do you, have a, do you want another job? He said, no, I'm going home. Say good. <laughs> he said, so I just want you to, see you have seen the kind of people I'm, I'm ruling. When they said, I don't kill the goose that lays the golden egg, they were talking to Nigerians. So. Okay, okay. Maybe not Nigerian, but you get my point. That's where we are. We will kill that goose, especially when we are finished eating the eggs we want. We now decide that I want chicken. We now kill the goose, fry it, eat it. Then when the other people come, say, this government that's not even providing geese again. No eggs. Meanwhile, we are the ones that killed the one that will lay the golden egg. I'm not going to buy intercession. To be honest with you, what we deserve in this country. People say, a good government. I say, who will give it to you? You don't deserve it. Only good people deserve good government. Bad people shouldn't open their mouths and ask for good government. They don't deserve it. All of this, I'm trying to say something. The amount of peace we have right now is far more than we deserve. Look, I don't have any shred of doubt in my mind. The amount of good rules we have is far more than, they are far more than we deserve. The stability of our currency is far better than we deserve. If you think it can be, well, go, go and ask them in Turkey what happened to their currency this year, from last year to this year. You think your currency happened? Go to Turkey. People talk. Go to Ghana. Ask them questions. I'm going to send you to Zimbabwe here too. You'll get to Zimbabwe later. <laughs> You'll be surprised that Naira is not at all one of the worst performing currencies in the world. It's not even close. But oh, many people don't notice. Just ask the Turkish people, how far with your currency? You'll be shocked. What am I telling you? Why on earth did we get this amount of blessings? It's called mercy. That's what I'm talking about. It's called mercy. And why do we have the mercy? It's because God said, from design originally, I don't listen to everybody. I listen to those I call the salt of the earth. 
Now, why did I go through all this talk? To remind those that he called the salt of the earth. Because Satan knows. He knows what many people don't know. So you know what he does? He puts in a chat group. Fills the place with angry people. And they poison you. You know what? Satan is depleting deliberately the amount of salt. The number of people that can intercede. They deceive you. That is, they poison with lies. With factual facts. Are you going to have facts that are accurate? But interpreted wrongly for you. Sometimes interpreted correctly. Just to poison your heart. The painful part is that most of the things that people believe are not even true. Sometimes when they are true, they have no consequence. They have no meaning. They don't have any, that is, they are absolutely meaningless. They don't employ somebody, he has a good reason for it. This is the thing they use to poison the salt. People are supposed to be salt. They get to that chat group, you know what they do? Lord, this is unfair. Lord, this is unfair. This is injustice. And God said, this is not the job I gave you to do. Pray for the land. Ask for prosperity. But they fill our hearts with bitterness. You know the problem of tribalism in Nigeria? Should I tell you where it is? It's not in the world, though. I hope you know it's not. God, it's in the world. I'm not saying it's not in the world. But it doesn't bother God. You know, they actually brought it to church. You enter church. You hear some things, eh? Your body will start crawling. That Are you a Christian? Now, if it's a church, ordinary church member, it wouldn't be a problem. Except the, the ones I'm thinking about now, they are ministers of the gospel. Some of them are, if you see their rank, I have a number of them in my head as I'm talking to you. You hear some things, eh? Your body will start crawling. Then you want to go home and say, God, please, come and put your back here. Let me massage it. I know how you feel. Because he, 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 he has emotions. These things, they pain him inside church. The last one I heard, <laughs> I, I won't tell you the name of who said it. I won't even tell you where I heard it from. But to enter that church now, to say, I want to be a member, God has to speak to me directly. Say, so this is how the, okay, pata, pata. This, I don't think these guys have less than 100 or 200 branches in this country. What am I saying 200? Abroad and local everywhere. And they're always having people and posts. And when I heard the comment, the head of that Church congregation made. I feel like I say, Oga, do you want to live long? Go and repent of that thing. Not rightfully discerning the body of Christ. For this cause, many of you are sick and many sleep. Please, my call this morning is to those who are the salt of the earth. Please, let them cheat you. Just don't let your saltiness be polluted. Don't start working for Satan. People have called me all kinds of really non-believing circles, you know, doesn't even concern me. Like my classmate would mock me. They say I'm an APC apologist, doesn't concern me. Say I'm a Buharist because I used to defend the government then. Of course, now I'm going to be a, a, a Baptist now. Uh, yes, uh, yes. That is, they call me that for years, years. Those who know my political distance personally, they know who I voted for all the times that, um, all the last few elections. Now, in fact, I have, I have a, I started in the spirit. Maybe I've now done it in the flesh. I don't know, but I have a rule now. If you look like you are going to win, I don't vote for you again. Yeah, because the first few times I voted for losing people. And it actually gave my message credibility. Like the other time I said something that some people were shouting, uh, Muslim, Muslim, I said, look, get this in out of Christian, uh, platforms. It's nonsense. Say, Muslim, Muslim, we should not take. 
My friend, get out. Christian, Christian ticket. I've not seen them before. Like, like somebody said, anyway, let me not even go. Let me not start now. If I start politics now, I will divide the house. I said, these are party matters, please. If you don't like it, vote for the opponent. But you know the funny thing? <laughs> let me just make you laugh. You know, most, most of those who complained did not vote for them anyway. So why would they listen to you? You know, El Rufai said something in Kaduna. When they said he needs to have a Christian uh, running mate, he said, you still won't vote for me. He said, why would I bother? He's, you know that man in the mouth, he doesn't... He and Donald Trump, they are related. So, he, he told them, and see, please, can I just stay there for a moment? Christians say, we have cheapened ourselves so much. Every election, we are losing relevance. See, they've done Muslim, Muslim ticket now, and you know what happened? Nothing. Next election, they will do Hindu Muslim ticket. Yeah, I'm serious. And you know what? They, see, let me tell you, what they have told you is that you don't matter. Now, please, I, I'm not, I don't mean it as if they are insulting you. I mean you are proven that you can't do anything. Oh, that you have hacked onto Pastor Banky. I told you that time, all you loud-mouthed big pastors. I'm sorry. I said, they don't do like this in politics. Visit all of them. Give them your manifesto. Give them a position paper. This is what the president is supposed to do according to our scriptures. Visit every single one. And don't support anybody from any of the pulpits. You will have relevant for the rest of your life. But now, if you go to Australia, nobody's talking to you. Why would they talk to you? Listen, my friend, I, my people, I'm not saying don't support whoever you want to support. That's not what I'm saying. I said, but you don't take a stand as a minister of the gospel on anything but righteousness. They say Muslim, Muslim ticket, it doesn't concern you. Just don't vote for them. Why are you criticizing the choice of somebody you are not planning to vote for? Look at that woman pastor in Abuja. Stay talking nonsense. A government is in power and you're a pastor, you say, we reject this government. If God punishes you now, what do you want him to do? It's, the government is in power. Abba, there are persecutions we have that God would not even answer. He said, your discipline is not for doing right. Oh. He said, you're not being disciplined for doing right. The painful part is that these, the noisemakers, they are not even trustworthy. There are churches that this government can't count on their prayer for the next four years. They can't. Their prayer every day is that, may you fail, may, we, may you fail, so that we can prove that we were right. But it's the truth. Look at that woman that in Abuja talking. You can see, he said, we reject this government. We reject this government on, in church on Sunday. Let me tell some of you, God will so close you down, you wouldn't believe it. And because, it's a bank, why am I going to close them down? Because I want peace for my people. I want the nation to thrive. I want the nation to prosper. I want my people to have peace in the country. But with people like this, they can't have it. Your witnesses, I cried here, tired. I shouted. Church, they don't do like that. What are you supposed to do? Get the committee. Sit down. Write like 20 points on what you expect the head of state to do. Then go to, including the jokers who cannot even win in their own bedroom. Who say they pay? I, you know those jokers? I voted for one of them, by the way. So, just, yeah. Because I had to go and vote, but I didn't want to vote for anybody. So, I couldn't stay at home. So, I just looked for the most uh, prominent joker. So, I voted for it. I'm sure that guy's why I didn't vote for him. So. <laughs> I said, what were you supposed to do? What you were supposed to do is go and visit each one of them. And say, if God were to appoint. Anyway, the truth that we don't believe that God appoints. Yes. Maybe that's why. Yeah. And of course, once INEC has made a statement and Supreme Court has spoken, God is so helpless. Helpless God. A God that doesn't have power. 
Let me tell you, the God that I serve is not helpless. If they are pointing to power and he doesn't like you there, he will tell you, go away. If you don't go away, he will kill you. And the person who appointed you will cut his hand. Yeah, he can do that. But most of it doesn't even bother. He just won't let you get there. Remember we said there's primaries, there's main election, and there's tertiary. You want to know? He's in charge. What we're supposed to have done is to visit each person and said to them, Loco, may the Lord bless you. As a church, this is our stand. It's righteousness. Why did I say that? I was trying to say something. Don't let them pollute your mind. Remain the salt of the earth. The only reason why this country has this amount of peace it has is because it has salt. People who are begging God for mercy. People who hear stories of bad things and they kneel down and say, God, Biko, we are begging you. Please. And God listens to them simply because... Let me read it. Open to the book of Amos. You know, I'm, I'm starting a new line of ministry. I think I've mentioned it before. It's called um, um, Kingdom World School of Knowledge, Understanding, and Wisdom. By God's mercy, by next week, we'll start um, recording. What I want to do, eh, God helping me, is just to go through, give a systematic teaching of the world because the amount of ignorance in the church is painful. It's so painful. It's embarrassing. Because I have preached, our website now, we have over 1,600 messages, but I don't even think I have explained things enough systematically. This time around, the teaching I want to do, there will be no stories, no Jesus, just Bible. I'll just explain line by line. Not long ago, not long ago, I'll keep it for two hours. No, 30 minutes each time. Hoping that by the time I've done like 200 of that, if you go through the series at least, you will learn something small. Because the amount, the way Christians behave is very, very, very painful. Once the emotion gets into this political matter, you can't talk sense to them. Amos chapter 7. He said from verse 1, let me read from NIV. So this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. He was preparing swarms of locusts after the king's share had been harvested. And just as the late crops were coming up, when they had stripped the land clean, and he was seeing this in the vision, please. When they had stripped the land clean, I cried out, Sovereign Lord, forgive. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. Did you notice that? This will not happen, the Lord said. Verse 4, this is what the sovereign Lord showed me. The sovereign Lord was calling for judgment by fire. It dried up the great deep and devoured the land. Remember first was locusts? Now fire. Then I cried out, sovereign Lord, I beg you, stop. How can Jacob survive? He is so small. So the Lord relented. This will not happen either. The sovereign Lord said. What do I want you to see there? Two massive judgments that God was preparing against Israel. One man stopped it. I said to you before, a prophet is not... See all these people, when I see your face, I prophesy. You understand? That's not what prophet is I enter your village now, and I see a tree, a tall tree. I see your house. 
face me. I want to go deeper. See, that's not what prophecy is. A real prophet, the primary assignment of a real prophet is to correct people. That is why knowledge of the word of God is more important than the visions you see. As I Jeremiah, God said to Jeremiah, let the vision, let the prophet who sees the vision narrate his vision. He said, but let him that has my word. There's a difference. He that has his word is superior to him that has seen visions. I hope you're getting my point. Another major assignment of a prophet is to intercede. God will show you the danger ahead, which he is passing into judgment for certain reasons. You get on your knees and say, Lord, how will Israel survive? He's so small. Now, they deserve the judgmental. What am I saying? Listen, when we talk about salt of the earth, that is the assignment we have. I said it earlier, I said it again. This nation that you and I live in is more blessed than it deserves. And the reason is simply because people are praying to God every day. There are a lot of evil people pushing things the wrong way. But my message to you this morning by the Spirit of God is that those of you who are salt of the earth don't get recruited by Satan. Satan recruits you with anger and bitterness. And how does he do it these days? He puts in a chat group where they tell you everything that is wrong. Sometimes I hear Christians talk. You can, you can feel the bitterness. You just know they're in a particular chat group. It's easy to know. They have entered a chat group where they fed them with two things. All right? Anger, bitterness, one. And two, fear of tomorrow. One day we went to preach in Oka. Or you know when you are in ministry, you know, you get to know people for some time. So I found out that my guys, Israel, Okemote first, Israel and Kodi, had information that DSSPS said to them, guys, this is why we won't come preach for Oka. So why can't people cancel the program? <laughs> so the reason we can't tell pastor that. So they didn't tell me. Where I'm going is that. <laughs> we went to Oka, announced program, and did our pro- do you get my point? People gathered they said that people have been more, if not for the tension in the city. That is, DSS people say, hey, tell your pastor that this is not a good time. And they look and say, no, we can't tell him. So we, now I'm talking about the child group. So I, I didn't, there was no way, nothing to use to put fear in my heart. And because there was no fear in our hearts, we went there and blessed the city and left. Now you can imagine if we were in a child group telling all the bad things happened in the city. Now the security people that gave the they, you understand, they, 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 can't, they had their reasons. You know, they do their work. They've looked and said, guys, you are taking a big risk. And we felt just felt that. So the men just felt that, no. We have prayed. We want to preach. There's no, no point disturbing pastor about this. We all went to, all of us went. We preached the word. And then we came back. But there was no fear because there was no chat group where the details of who's planning what was being fed. Every, see, most groups of people focus on just one side. I hope you're getting my point. Now, go and join those who are focused only on the good side. Do you know why? I'll tell you the reason why. Because faith creates. It's not because, uh, you know, you need to know the bad side. Sometimes you don't need to know it. Because, let's see, the reason is because what we be is not created of what is now. By faith, things are created. When Jesus told Peter, come, if he had been walking on water and he had his earphones, earplugs, you know, those ones that noise counseling and they have tunnel vision, he was only seen on the Lord. Would he have sunk? 
The other people say, hey, Peter, yeah, Peter. You won't hear them. All, all they see is the Lord. Who? You, you, the guy will start jogging on water. He will start doing push-up on water. Because he is not noticing the waves. Fear makes you sink. Don't put yourself in a place where they will instill your heart with fear. It's very important what I'm telling you. I have one funny habit. Once you start posting, in fact, nobody does it to me. And those who do doing it, I think they have, have lost them. When they're doing answers. I, I, I was in a chat group of professionals nationwide. During answers, I left. Why? I mistakenly, I didn't use to bother. I mistakenly clicked on a video. As soon as that video downloaded, it played halfway. I deleted it, closed the chat group, held it down, exit group, delete chat. Yes, bam, I left. Till today, since answers. People have left the country because of answers. Meanwhile, the country is not less safe now than before then. No, that's a matter of fact. I'm not saying it's improved. I'm not trying to say that it's now better. I'm just saying there was nothing to run away from. But when you fill your head with all the negative gists, I'm sorry to say, half of which are factual lies, your heart becomes afraid. You can't stand anything. Please, my message is to the salt of the earth. Don't let anybody take away your ability to pray. You have a neighbor where the road is not good, like my own is not good. Do you understand? This rain, you know this rain, you know the way it is when the rain has really been heavy. And the rain has been heavy in the last two months or so. Okay, so you washed off a lot of road. You can sit down there and say, look at the useless. Is it government that poured rain anyway? Look at this useless go. Why didn't they do a good road? You that are talking, I want to call, call you, come. How much tax have you paid? Do you know how difficult a good road is, money-wise? Now, I'm not saying they shouldn't do it. That's not what I'm saying. That's not my point. Please, get my point. Some of you getting there, they're talking nonsense. Why don't you just pray? Park your car one day when you're driving past that road. Just park. And look at the road. And then look up. And say, Lord, have mercy. That's why God put you there. You know, I sat down the other day. Now, let me preach my message. I've been trying to order this message, but he's not letting me say what I want to say. So let me preach my message. We're going to preach in two sessions. The second session will start in a moment, all right? No, no okay. okay, let's be like this. The first session that's on suspension, we'll come back to it. Is that okay? Let's just finish this one. See, this wealth thing eh, is a spiritual thing. Eh? The other day I sat down. We're discussing with people. I said, Great Britain. Now, let me ask you. Is it a rich country or is it not a rich country? Why do you call them rich? What do they produce? Most of the cars they produce, apart from Rolls Royce and Co. Do you, have you, how many Aston Martins have you seen in Nigeria? Jaguar, maybe sells in UK. Where else does it sell much? The people that can say they make money from car production is Germany. I'm talking about Europe. Germany has their, the, the VW is usually number one or number two in car production. Three people compete for the top position. VW, GM, and Toyota. Germany makes money from car. You name like four heavy brands from there. Luxury and mass market. VW from there. Audi is there. Mercedes-Benz there. BMW there. And many other ones. So I, I said, so why is UK rich? I, I jokingly mocked them. If you are, if, sorry, please don't be angry. I said they are formerly Great Britain. What is great there now? 
I'm sorry to say this. Now, I'm not trying to talk uh, economics here or money, but you see what I want to say. You know what they call cryptocurrency? You know it's a pure illusion. Now, normal currency is illusion, but backed by something. But that one is pure. It's not backed by anything. It's only backed by the fact that you hope somebody else will pay higher for it. All right? And it's funneling money into it for that reason. A lot of countries that you call rich, that's all they are. You have this illusion of they are rich. So you carry your wealth and carry it there. So UK is spending less than what they should have spent on medical education because it's easy to import from Nigeria because Nigerians think they are rich. They can easily get from Kenya because Kenyans think they are rich. They get from India because Indians think. You know, are you seeing what I'm emphasizing? Think, think. There was something that Peter Obi said long ago, before politics, before presidency, VP race. I still have the video. That his lecturer said to him when he went to um, one business school in the U.S. for a course. That the man gave him, anyway, make a long story short. They had a hundred naira, which was the biggest note we had then, and they had a hundred dollars. So the man said, pick one. The man brought a hundred dollars, Peter Obi brought a hundred naira. That time naira was about hundred naira to the dollar. So he said, the man said, pick one. So he picked the dollar. And the man said, why? He said, because, you see, that is a hundred naira times a hundred. So this is actually 10,000 naira, this hundred dollars. That's why I'm picking it. The man said, no, that's not why you are picking it. So he said, why am I picking it? He said, because you don't have faith in the naira. That's why you are picking the dollar. He says about faith. He said, when a Chinese man makes money, he stores his money in Chinese currency. When a Japanese man makes money, he stores his money in Japanese currency. He said, but when you people make money, you store it in foreign currency. You have no faith in your own currency. So it's a self-fulfilling prophecy. So the value of the currency keeps on going down. People can say, government, balance this thing now, but they can't. Because each time they drop, they, like they did the other time, release money, force that thing back in this one direction. It is the opportunity we have to quickly mop it up. What the government needs to stabilize the Naira, we won't let them do it because election is coming in four years' time. What they really need? I know it, I won't tell you. It's harsh. If they tried it, we are waiting. Four years. And that's the problem with democracy. It doesn't let people do what is right. Because they have to, they have to deceive you in another few years to get your votes. It's the reason why Michael Dell decided to withdraw Dell Corporation. I don't know whether I finally succeeded. From the market. That I have to please these stock market people. I can't make rational decisions. So between him, Bill Gates, and a few people, they decided to buy back all the shares of Dell from the stock market. Says so that we can't think. So that man told Peter Obi then, he said, listen, the problem with you people is that you have no faith. Now let me add my own words. You don't have any faith in your country. So when you have money, you quickly rush it to another country. Back to what I was saying. So UK keeps getting richer because the Africans don't have a choice. Because of lack of faith in their own place, they keep exporting their wealth. So they want nurses, they come to Africa. Now they've opened a visa center in Enugu. Do you know the reason why? It's, yeah, it's easier to get staff. It's for recruitment purposes. You think anybody cares about you? So at the end of the day, go and read your Bible. When God wants to bless the people, you see where I'm going in a moment. He said that the wealth of the nations will come to you. It's not hard for America to be rich. They are number one export. 
is a hundred dollar bill. I know what they need to get it, print it. One man said that America will never pay all his debts. So I said, there's no need to do it. He said, if you wanted to pay, he said, it's not hard. You just enter the, the machine, print, and pay you. He said, but they're not prepaying because it's not necessary. During COVID, before COVID, last time they had a, 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 what they call it, an economic meltdown. They did what they call quantitative easing. You give a beautiful name to a useless thing. Create faith in people. Yeah. You know what they did? Barack Obama just allowed them. They went in and printed hundreds of billions of paper, dollars, and handed it out and called it quantitative easing. That's a big name for it. Most of that money found their way all over the world. We use real value to buy it. We take crude oil used to buy Paper that Barack Obama printed. We'll take cashew nuts used to buy it. We'll take natural gas used to buy it. We'll take cocoa beans used to buy it. We'll take cassava used to buy it. It is, see, don't be angry with them. If, no, I'm not saying you should be angry. I'm telling you what life is. I'm telling you what life is. It's called the wealth of the nations will come to you. The man prints paper and then we carry coffee on our head and rush to give to him and collect the paper. When that man said that to, uh, to Peter, I, I, I said, when I was watching the video, I said, I understand very well. The man says about faith. If that demand, ah, under Donald Trump, they print COVID. Production was down. Now, for those who don't know, oh God, today in the economic class, I be. Apple is currently valued at about $3 trillion. It dropped, it went, a small rumor the other day, it lost about $250 billion in market capitalization. But I think they have been valued about, is it $2 or $3 trillion? Who has the figures for me? It's more than two. It's either $2 or $2 trillion. $2 trillion. And they're not the only ones. Amazon. Alphabet company. That's Google. All right? They're all in that league. Okay? Now, what many people don't know, just a few years now, not up to two years ago, it was like, will Apple hit the $1 trillion valuation? They were the first to hit it. A few days later, Alphabet company hit it. Now, this is where I'm going. They were hitting this when production was down. You're not getting my point. How can the value of your company be going up when world global production is going down? You are selling less phones, selling less computers, selling less things. Why? Because America printed so much money during COVID, and handed it out to people. My friend called me and said, Banky, I have this amount of money that's easily accessible to me for nothing. What can I use to do in Nigeria? He says a lot of money. We discussed about it, but later he called me that, no, that to get the money, he has to be tied to something he would do in America. But that's how much money that was floating around. So a lot of middle-class people had nothing else to do with their money but to put what in the stock market. So the value of the society going up, going up, until within a short while from $1 trillion, they hit $2 trillion valuation. It wasn't about productivity. It's about faith. So I said, look, Great Britain, no insultment. They are rich today. They used to be rich for one simple reason. They explored continents. They conquered territories. And they ruled over India 
much of Africa, I hope you get my point, part of China, Hong Kong, was given to them for a hundred years. They ruled over so many territories. So you harvest palm oil in Benin, you are carrying to UK. They, they had to be rich. They had the best navy in the world. And military might is wealth. But now they control no territories anymore. But how do we still get wealth to come in? Just tell the guys we are rich. Let them believe it. They will continually pour their wealth in. So they talk about, eh, Nigeria doesn't have enough doctors. UK said, look, we need one doctor for every maybe 500 people. Where do we get from? Give visas to Nigerians, they will come. And government is not doing enough. Government said, do you know how much I educate doctors for you? You go to a federal university, I don't collect up to one million dollar tuition for you in a whole year. In, in six years. So you get your degree. I don't collect a million dollar tuition. If you calculate just as 750 naira, check how much that is in US dollars. That's, but then I have to pay. Your lecturers collect their full salary. They don't care that you're not paying. Then you tell me I'm not spending money. And I give you education good enough that UK will give you an exam. You take it, they give you a job. And you gladly work for them. Economy is built on faith. There's nothing the current head of state can do or the government can do when the people are faithless. And there's nothing they can do to make you have faith. You just have to make up your mind. It's about life. It's about risk. If you can just get all the church-going Christians in Nigeria to just have faith in the country, you understand, for just, I say, seven years. Just the church, not everybody, just serious Christians. Just seven years. You know what it means? Your child finishes school, you send him to a Nigerian university. You want to save your money, you put it in a Nigerian bank. What if value goes down? You buy Nigerian land. You build a Nigerian house. You build a block of flats. You build an estate instead of carrying money somewhere. Many people don't know that Alekudangote only has houses in Nigeria. The man said, no, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't Look, I go abroad, I stay in the hotel. But you see small, small boys that once they just bless them small, they don't buy one. I'll get back to my message. Let me tell you something. If you don't generate, next week we're going to start talking about it, God helping us. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> God helping us. You have to do if I perish, I perish. For God to, two, two things. One, bless your environment, bless your nation, and bless you. We'll talk about it. There are times you start businesses you don't need. It's not about money. Once you have three, four people working there, you are happy. Even if you are not making money, see how many people are working there? Four. Keep it open. All they do, all they do is type for people and register jam for children. Eh, good. The money is not much, but can you pay four young people so that they don't have to steal? Say yes. Keep it open. Say, okay, let me start this school where people can learn certain skills. The money is not much. Shady will go there. How many teachers are we going to have? Like six. They will learn something, right? Keep it open. And this is money you could have gone to use to buy a house abroad. Say, I won't. Keep it open. You know what I found out? If God gives you contentment, you don't need much money. One thing that God gave me. Eh? Okay, let me not brag about it. Eh? But at least I know he gave my wife and gave my children. I'm not saying because they are here. My children are very level-headed. If I dash, I can do a shirt I have used. You will wear that money. And, if, and you'll be feeling very important. You'll be feeling very, very important. And I'll tell the mother, look at him. 
If I dash my children 1,000, they will kiss the money. 1,000 bucks. Like, correct daddy. Nobody has ever come to me to grumble about what they don't have. Where would they even learn it from? Is it their mother? One day I told my wife how much she sold a phone that she would like. He said, if you buy it, please don't come home. <laughs> that buy for how? He said, don't, he said, he said don't, please don't bring it here. My husband, there's no need to cost Corello. I, I told her, I told her, I, said, I told the girl, sell it. I said, if I pay for this one, I can't go home. The woman I'm buying it for, you know, go collect. A lot of things that people, see, if God satisfies you with contentment, eh, you realize that you don't need as much money as you think. You realize that there are not too many things you need in this life. It's, you know, the problem you have is lack of content. Somebody drive past it, they look the motor. And I, and I beat that guy for school. <laughs> he had a two-two, I had a two-one. When the same faculty. I, 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 I see BMW, checks your certificate before he gives you a motor car. <laughs> well, maybe from next week, we'll, we'll talk about it. All right, talking about the issue of prosperity. If you want, look, prosperity is never... God didn't give it so that somebody would just sit down and be enjoying. God gave it for Christians so he can be a redeemer. Yes. Many of the things that somebody like Dangote invested in, he didn't need it. When this man was a, um, was a um, minister, uh, the current uh, bank of, uh, this African bank of uh, development, additional, he said Dangote made him the happiest man one particular day because he had harassed all these big men. So when Dangote entered his office, let's make a long story short, and told him he was putting $1 billion down for rice, you know, processing. So that was the happiest day of his life. Because he knew that what he needed was somebody to create a value chain. These men put money down to process tomatoes. They didn't need the money. In a year, Dangote would get 700, one particular year, they paid almost $800 million from Dangote Cement alone. When his refinery starts working, automatically he will jump to one of being one of the top, maybe 20 or top 10 richest men in the world. Didn't need it. But this man harassed him on the guys, bring money because if you build the factory, then the man farming tomato has a place to sell it to. So waste will disappear. He persuaded them, they brought money down, started building factories. Not because they needed the money. What are they doing with the money from tomato? You have cement money. What are they doing with tomato money? No, you get some kind of money where you could get. You go, no, go, wait till they take that one. It's like you have all money. You say you come and, you come and invest in primary school. <laughs> you know, you're looking like, what am I supposed to do with primary school money? <laughs> jingle bell, jingle bell, jingle Is that what I want to be hearing? <laughs> when I turn tap, I know what they draw. But you see, see men like that. That's why I said that. Don't abuse me like Bishop Idepo. I don't, that, if you want to cause quarrel, come and insult him in my eye, in my ear. Say, I ah, build school because he wants money. If I don't stab you, it's because I don't have a knife. <laughs> yeah, because it's very annoying. You will know that the headache that comes with that is far more than whatever he can get out of it. And he could have used all that money to buy one ship and had a lot of peace of mind. But he goes through all of that headache. You want to insult him? Like I said, when you want to insult him, eh, make sure you are far away and it's not the day I'm carrying my high-powered sniper rifle. Because no matter how far you are, if that sniper rifle did my hand, the one I, maybe the one they gave to me when I was fighting in Vietnam War.
Yeah, because some men do some things for other reasons. And you will do those things for those kind of reasons. Amen. Say amen to that. Amen. Let me just warn you, they will abuse you, tire. So all the abuse, they abuse people. It's waiting for you in front. If God will forgive you, but that one, you know, he said, no, they must abuse you. Now, not because of anything, but that's how human beings are. They abuse the hell out of you. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> okay, I said, I don't go to social media anymore. <laughs> they make my blood pressure go. <laughs> just by the way, hey God, so many, we're just using this money. I'm not even preaching. You know, you know one of the reasons you don't abuse leaders so much, so that they will listen to you. That's why you will abuse them so much. They never listen to what you have to say. They never. No matter how reasonable what you are saying is, they are used to the insults from your side. Say, who's talking? You, say, you just see your email or your website or your newspaper. Mm. They just shut. They, they don't even check. There was a time in the, in the teaching hospital, they told me that uh, I'm always defending the CMD. That is my friend. I was one former CMD we had. Yes, it's my, we're, we're not only friend, friend like that. I said, but the truth is that, they said, hey, they can't reach him. I said, but I reach him easily. Hey, no, hey, the man is not, he's not, he's, he's has shielded himself. I said, I don't get it. Is he the same person? I said, every time I call him, he picks, this is available. And if he doesn't pick, he calls me back. Uh, maybe people know each other. I said, no. It's because people call him to harass him. I never do that. Every time I call him, I've, I have a problem. I already have the solution. I just said, please, sir, I dropped this in your office. Why will you be around? Can you just sign this so I can do this? I said, I give him peace. So anytime I call, once he's not busy in the office, he picks the call immediately. And if he doesn't pick, it's a normal thing for him to call me back. I said, ah, my brother, I saw your call. And I tell him, I said, but you can't go around harassing a man and he will pick your call. Why will he do that? Eh, same day. I've been standing here this morning, you know. Nothing's working here. They have not sold the place. There's no light. There's nothing. Please, you have to do something. Next time you call. Even God doesn't answer those calls. He calls his murmuring. So he doesn't want to murmur in my ear again. The Lord is good. I told you to help me mark where we were. Yes. And we have been with each other for some time. Talking about what exactly was there, I said. You know, we went into the matter of intercession. Yes, Abanaza lives in three levels. Yes, okay, now I know what we're saying. Yeah, I now remember now. Yes, so what I, well, let, let's now get back to this thing. I hope, you know one of the reasons why I don't like this thing that I'm doing, I just, I can't help it. Is I just want to teach my teach. I hope you get my point. <laughs> yes, now I want to teach my message. Let it have order. And in case somebody is listening to this and it's not in our environment, you won't be bored with it. Do you get my point? That's why I try to, but then, at the end of the day, what I want to do, we still have to educate the people of God in the environment anyway. So, so this is where we were. This is where we pressed the pause. And then I went into section two. Let's now go back to the original section. I said that eternal life is in three levels. So we're talking about the fact that we can have, we can approach God's presence. Remember, that's what we're talking about. That that is not a light thing. And I was saying that, please, don't misuse that thing. You know, that's why, that's why I was going that, so that you would understand how we went this way. I was saying that eternal life, first of all, is approaching unto the Father. And that because you have mercy in abundance, you can actually help somebody else. You can help a nation that he has planted you in. And that's actually why he put you in that nation. I now took a tangent to explain why 
we need to continue to pray for this nation and not let Satan turn us to accusers instead of intercessors. That because of our faith, we have the ears of God. So if you say to God, please give peace to Enugu, you understand my point? He will give it. All right? Sometimes I hear that uh, they are kidnapping this area. I don't just hear it and get angry. I always, always turn it to a matter of prayer. Always. There are different ways I pray about it. Read scriptures. Ask God for mercy. All right? Pronounce divine judgment against the perpetrators and all of that. You know? We do that. Okay? And that's why God allows you to hear. But some people just say, ha, what, is, what are the security people doing? Or they can just do it, just mount checkpoint. What is the checkpoint doing? That is for the people who are not called of God. They can do that. But you, please do your work. That you have the approach unto God. Take advantage of it. Alright? Or use it for the, fulfill your responsibilities. Pray not just for yourself, but for those who need the mercy of God, who may not have it directly. I hope you're getting my point. So we have abundant mercy. We have abundant life in that regard. What is abundant life? We can approach God. So that's the first level of eternal life. All right? The second level of eternal life is that we have a sound mind. Now, this is very important. I just use that sound mind to encapsulate many things. The reason why we are different from the beasts of the field, the reason why we are different from the birds of the air, is that God gave us what the Bible calls wisdom. He made us wiser. I hope you're getting my point. We are wise. Any time, do you understand, that a people will go down. One of the first things God does to them is remove their ability to discern, their ability to understand. They become foolish. The foolish man is eventually destroyed. A foolish people will eventually be destroyed. They make wrong decisions. They have no wisdom. Sometimes people, in fact, I heard this in parts of Africa, they had a myth. In the midst of malnutrition, they told themselves that bananas are dangerous. You hear what I say? You see malnourished kids running under overripe banana bunches like this, and they wouldn't eat it. Why? The spirit there says don't eat bananas. Yeah, this really happened. I just don't want to mention names. It's part of West Africa. When they want to be destroyed, they start doing silly things. Twins are evil. Until Mary's lesser comes, they, you saw what they used to do to twins in certain parts of the country. It's what I call foolishness. You see people do foolish things. Things that you don't even have to do. But a lie is sold to them. And then suddenly they start going down. Why? They keep on doing that which is foolish. I'll give you an example. In this generation, I don't don't know what I still there, but the time time came, they just shortly popularized a a small phrase, schooner scam. Yeah, it's one of the ways by by which poverty holds a a people. Schooner scam. It sounds like a joke, but little by little, young people gather amongst themselves and tell themselves, schooner scam. No matter how much their fathers or mothers try, they won't learn anything. Because deep inside, Naskam. It's happening in Western countries now. Something like that. One of the reasons why they like immigration a lot is that they don't have people again. Why? For generations, they told them that having children is a bad thing. 
So they woke up one day and realized that the next generation was fewer in number than the previous generation. And of these few people, one third of them are drug addicts or high on something or the other. The other one, they don't know whether they are male, female, transgender, or even if they know, they don't want to marry. The people that you really think are you know, responsible are not even up to half. So next thing, they threw their doors open and started hiring people from all over the world. Yes. See, foolishness eventually catches up with you. So bear it in mind. So one of the things that God does, well, when he wants to give people life again, all right, Abundant life, we're saying. It's in three levels. One, eternal life, spiritually. Two, he gives them a sound mind. He starts teaching them. Elihu said, no one says, where is God my maker? Who makes us wiser than the birds of the air and teaches us more than the beasts of the field? He has to teach. He has to teach. There's no miracle that will be sustainable unless the people are taught. United States of America, this, in defense of their own system of government democracy and their society, they said everybody must go to school. One reason why they make education compulsory is that they said uneducated people are ungovernable. With all of that, you see, you see some things. They say, I thought you people went to school. What if they didn't go to school? So when Jesus came, he went to his hometown and could there do no mighty works. Except that he laid his hands on a few sickly folk. And heal them. No mighty work. What's the next thing he did? He now went around their towns and villages teaching them. He needed to teach them to provoke faith. And the day the people that John the Baptist sent came to him, he told them, go and tell John what you both see and hear. You blind see, the lame walk, the dead are raised, the lepers are cleansed, all of that. And the poor have the gospel preached to them. He said, I can't liberate people out of poverty without teaching them something. I have to talk to them. So one of the things that God gives as a sign of life is the ability to understand. Actually, he gives intelligence. He gives a sound mind. He makes us wise. And as a result of the abundant life that Jesus came to give, every child of God must be smart, must be wise. I'm not saying that you will try. If you focus on eternal life, you will discover that you are smart. You will discover that you are wise. If God has to send an angel to sit with you and impart knowledge to you, he will. Because without it, you cannot manifest the fullness of life that he gave in Christ Jesus. When I say he gives abundant life, he gives you the ability to understand. Like I tell you, students, young people, I say, listen, Anything you don't know, tell the thing, say, I see near you, that is, you carry a physics textbook, it's being hard. Put the physics down and say, let me just warn you now. I'm a child of God, I know you. So you will open up to me. To teach you stuff is not hard for God. You see, he will just, let me tell you how to teach you things. God will just open your eyes, you will see it. I hope you got what I said. You will just see it, that is, People are seeing letters. You are seeing the thing. You are seeing it. You're, they are talking about uh, the Y, the X. You're not, you are seeing the particles. You can see it. You can print that thing in your mind. It will never leave you. You will never forget. 
If he has to deploy an angel to follow you around to remind you all the time, he will. See, let me tell you something about God again. again. You know what say? He's a miracle walking God. He's a, he's, you know the song is correct, though. He walks miracles, though. Eh? But please, it's not only miracles he walks. In fact, miracles are the easiest things for him to walk. So I don't think he likes the song too much, even though he can walk miracles. The song he will prefer is, is a knowledge imparting God. He's a wisdom giving father. That is one he prefers. He gives wisdom. That's what he gives to the upright. Wisdom. He makes you wise. To God, that is more important than miracles. To make you wise. What, what does it keep for the upright? Wisdom. What is wisdom? You know, you just look at things and you understand. That's why I said next Tuesday, please don't miss the Bible study. God helping us if we get there. I want to talk about that spirit of wisdom and understanding. And as I'll be talking about it, you will receive wisdom and understanding. I say it all the time that God can make, look, he can do miracles. He can make you have an empty head. You go for an exam, you pass. But you say, see that you tell no man. I don't like it. So I don't like, I can do it, but that's not the testimony I want. The testimony I want is that I thought I didn't know it. Then I looked up to God and said, Father, give me understanding. Then I opened my eyes, I looked, and it became clear. And at the exam hall, I saw her. As soon as I started, I saw the answer. I just knew what the answer would be. That's God's testimony. That's the one he likes. He prefers to be a God that imparts knowledge and understanding. That makes you wiser than the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. He wants us to be a, a, a people that, that we know how to do things. I hope you're getting my point. That we know, we know how to do it. Not as if we're just going to say, eh, you know, God will help us. So. And what we mean is that we, we, we will not see rain. We will not see, give that scripture. Uh-huh. God does that once in a I hope, I hope you're getting my point. He does that. But that's not what he wants us to be known for. You know what he told the people? He said, ah, but in the Bible, he did miracles. You know, from the beginning to the end, you can count how many. In Israel, he never wanted to do miracles. What he said to them is that, this is how we do miracles. We'll bring you out of Egypt with miracles, right? We'll carry you through the wilderness in a short while through miracles. Then we'll get into the promised land where there will be seed time and there will be harvest. Your bands will be full, so I will give you technology on how to build bands. I will show you how to sow. You will understand shifting cultivation. You know, the other day, there was one scripture I wanted to quote. Apparently, I was looking in the wrong place. I finally found it, you know, I was looking for it in Ecclesiastes. We are talking about Solomon. First Kings chapter 4, verse 29. When God made him wise, let's see what he did. But my emphasis, eh, please, is that God what he gives to the children of God as part of abundant life is abundant wisdom. Did you hear that? Mm-hmm. First Kings chapter 4, verse, verse 29. God gave Solomon very great wisdom and understanding and knowledge as vast as the sands of the seashore. In fact, his wisdom ex- exceeded that of all the wise men of the East and the wise men of Egypt. He was wiser than anyone else, including Ethan and the sons of Mahol. His fame spread throughout all the surrounding nations. 
Listen to this. He composed some 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. He could speak with authority about all kinds of plants, from the great cedar of Lebanon to the tiny hyssop that grows from the cracks in a wall. He could speak about animals, birds, small creatures, and fish. And kings from every nation sent their ambassadors to listen to the wisdom of Solomon. Did you hear that? He's not just a miracle-working God. He's a knowledge-imparting God. He's a wisdom-giving God. And I believe to him that he gives wisdom to you is more important than the fact that he impacted, that he did a miracle. A sign of eternal life is that we have become what? Wise. We have a, we have a sound mind. That's where I was going. And that's where we began from. Eternal life or abundant life is abundant wisdom. Abundant life is abundant understanding. Abundant life is abundant intelligence. You know, you know the truth? Let me not start now. If I start now, we won't live here. There's no, see, there's no way in this world eh, that people are developed and they are prosperous and it was not founded on wisdom. There's no way. There's no way. It's always founded on knowledge, education. You see, philosophy. One problem we have with Africa, and when God said this, they, they don't have, they won't be rich yet, is that we valued people who can dig farm and heaps more than those who could sing songs. You know, how many people remember things fall apart? Remember things fall apart? Okonkwo. You know, what was the sign of wealth in their village? Yams. You know, Okonkwo's father was Anoka. What was Anoka? Eh? Okay, not. Unoka. Unoka. Okay. All right. And both of them are fictitious creatures anyway, but so. <laughs> but what I want to know is, but, but, but Chino Achebe, you know, he expressed the African mind properly in the book. Okay. That's why the book was quite um, successful. What was that man doing? He used to play the flute and he could sing, right? And you know what? He was derided in the village because of it. Why? He couldn't dig. He didn't have many yam farms. Uh, yam uh, mounds in the, in, in the farm. So they celebrate. So, in, but if you go to those, go to the Greeks, the Romans, and all that, they celebrated art. A man is an artist. They celebrated him. They paid heavily for artwork. But we, we laughed at Noka because he couldn't dig yam. We don't realize that wisdom is more important than all this digging, digging, digging. The man who digs too much doesn't have time to think. All this digging. So for several generations, they are still digging. Remember, those who are celebrating art, who used to contemplate, who listened to philosophers and all of that, they invented machines to dig for them. <laughs> Tell you. See, wisdom is more profitable than muscle. I'm telling you. There is no society that became rich that did not value thinkers. If you see the Greeks, their philosophers were the most celebrated people. Who cares whether they dug, they didn't dig. They paid to hear people. Till now, you know, do you know till now? 
One day somebody says something there. Okay, I'm an African, all right? I'm a black person. Say so you get to America. I hope they have changed. You enter a train, maybe in New York and all that, you know, or you are in a, in a bus, you know, time, it will take a while to get to where you are going. A typical white person is reading a book. The black guys are making noise and playing rap music. They are, they are, see, they are burning their brains up with loud, senseless music. You see, their contemporaries, are, they have a book they are reading. Then they say they are putting you under. I've told you, what witches can do to you is remove your brain. After, see, they just they send you on a wild good cheese. These are people to have a culture. Look, if you don't have a reading culture, you'll be perpetually stupid. You are, if you must listen to some, listen to someone that's feeding your head with information. Do you know, one day somebody says something, I don't know whether it's true or false, but I've not personally verified it. But it showed, it's an Arab man. You know, TikTok, yesterday I told my daughter, if I see you on TikTok again, I'm removing from my data plan. The man showed another man showed that the algorithm, you know they call algorithm, for those of you who know a computer, that is what com- okay, like now, anytime you open YouTube, they feed you some things to watch, they suggest, both um, the full thing and the YouTube shots. He said, if you go to China, what they feed to their young people is not what they feed to the Americans. That if you open TikTok inside China, as soon as I put it, put it on, it's design they are showing you. It's information they are giving you, it's history they are teaching you. But when you open it in United States and, of course, Africa is pranks. Silly things. Dumb jokes. That they feed their own people, you know, with wisdom. They boost this, the ego. They show him when they landed on the moon, too. The work they have done. How they design silicon chips. That's what they are watching on TikTok. But we are watching clowns who are making stupid jokes and they'll fold it around, and the children here are getting dumber and dumber, getting more stupid. They want, I told you, if you go to China, you want 5,000 engineers, they give you like this. But now, according if they give you 5,000 engineers, you have to interview all of them. <laughs> you have to give some of them, you have to do that quadratic equation for me. There's no society that will develop without wisdom. There's none. When God wants to bless people, he makes them wise. We are too much in a hurry for material prosperity. No. That wisdom, when you go to God, you see, let me tell you something. You have to know how to use your access. You know, the first time I said, you know how to pray and intercede. When God said, what can I do for you? Be like Solomon. This is where recorded for your learning. Then God said, okay, what do you want me to do for you? And the pastor said, hey, you are going to sow a seed here. There's this basket right here. This is a basket of miracles. This basket is a, ha, is a basket of testimonies. You will put something inside, and then you say, God, what can you do for me? What do people come there to do? Praise God, though. As we were praying last week, as pastor was leading us in prayer, as I sowed my seed, I said, God, this year I will build my own house. Praise God, now I have bought the land where I reached Lintel level. Amen. Ha, ha, ha. We're jumping up and down. Hey! Because the bank is a foolish people. He said, when I give Solomon an, an open basket, to take anything he wants from inside. Solomon says, sir, which one is wisdom? Solomon said, which one is wisdom? Where is wisdom? God said, eh, you don't want the plenty of money. Say, Lord, let me be honest with you. <laughs> That's not what I need now. You don't want long life. He said, what is the use of, a, for, of long life in, in, for a fool? I will look, live long life in foolishness. What is that? 
He said, what about the life of your enemies? Let them kill me if I'm a fool. I don't need to solve it. I'll leave enemies that are wiser than me. Because they said, what are you looking for? He said, give me wisdom. Give me understanding. Give me discretion. You know what they call discretion? Discretion protects your life. Solomon, are you very serious? That is, God marveled. You mean I give a Nigerian young man this kind of opportunity? I did not ask for a Rose Rice? You just want, you just, as me, a secondary school student, say, Lord, I want to be smart. I want to be intelligent. I want to pass all my subjects and make my parents proud. And God said, that's all you're asking for? And in your mind, is there anything else that I should be asking for at this stage in my life? God said, Solomon, let me tell you something. That thing you have asked for, I will give you. Now, you ask for it so that you'll be a good king. Let me tell you what I will do. I will make you a reference point that people from all over the world will come to listen to your wisdom. And for information, there's nobody that's ever lived that will be as wise as you are going to be. And even after. Okay, next, let's address the ones you did not ask for. See all the money that they are running up and down looking for? I will give you. I think Solomon is still the richest man that has ever lived. People have mentioned Dezim and Samosa, one of these uh, people, I don't know. But I don't think it is true. Nobody. All you need to do is think about the temple that Solomon built. He built, like I, you know, I've said it here before, he didn't build temple the way we build cathedrals in our villages. He built a temple. That was the kind of house they were living in. The temple, look, was not much finer than the king's house. Now, when I, I, of course, it was more glorious, most certainly. But the same gold you saw in the temple, you saw in the house of the king. His prime minister had a kind, that kind of house. So not only was he personally rich, he made the whole environment, the whole nation was well-to-do. It was when he backslid that problems came. If that young man did not backslide, his wealth would have endured. I want to go and pray. That's what we should be asking for. Wisdom. Not just miracles. I see people gather every time. Ah, today, day of miracle. God, miracle. God is looking like, Banky, see all these people asking for miracles. They are very foolish people. So I'm having to do miracles for them again. And I have only 10 per person. See that one shouting in front. I've done six or four to go. You don't know say miracle get number per person. You will discover one day. Because it's not because I can't do more. But how can you be living like that? When will you become wise? Chop mana, chop mana. Oh boy, 40 years, he don't do. Mana has finished. <laughs> Leave it. Say, man, God say, see, the place where you kept mana, he don't finish. What will we eat? Go and plant. He told them, look, first year, you will get this. By the end of that other year, I expect to, your trees will have grown. So this is how vineyards are. You plant them in rows. This is, this, he said, I will give you the early rain. And then I will give you the latter rain. He gave them rain in appropriate measures to fertilize their fields. But they had to be wise to cultivate the fields. Abundant life is in the second level. Wisdom. And you must learn to claim it. The third level, which is good enough, we'll discover that, we'll, discuss, we'll begin to talk about that next time. It's material. It's in the material level. The outward level. And that's in two parts. Abundant life means abundance. Abundance of resources. 
abundant life in the material side also means abundance of health. Jesus died that you'll be perfectly healthy. You hear what I said? Yes. He came that you'll be healthy 100%. We'll talk about this once later. Okay? You know, I said when I began this, I explained something. Now, when we teach, we try to balance our teaching. It's very important. We teach, and it's true, that Christians must learn to endure. I explained that when we are going out, we are warriors. We are warriors for Christ. And soldiers don't live large on the war front. Are you, are you getting my point? Yeah, when they're in battle, they don't really, they, you know, they are, their Gucci shoes really don't go to war front with them. They go with boots. Sometimes they don't remove the boots for these. Yeah. When you are really, when you are in the front where the battle is hot, they know they remove boots. Because if you, <laughs> Once your boot falls off, you are dead meat. Because you can't run through those, um, you know, sharp trees and stones and this thing with, without your boot. So the boot must be on all the time. The reference said when they were in, <laughs> in the desert at the time, they used to wash their clothes in, in fuel. You dip your, <laughs> your uniform in petrol because they didn't have water. Their fuel was even more available to them than water. To sleep at night, they will pack their vehicles in a big circle so that in case bombing starts, you can't with one bomb take out all the vehicles. And they will sleep in the middle and under the vehicles. Cold at night, heat during the day. And this was, these were British soldiers. Yes, home was comfortable. If they were at home. But now you're in the battlefront. So as Christians sometimes, we, we endure hardship. We don't run away from battle. But the land we are protecting, the kingdom we are advancing is a kingdom of abundance. That's what I'm saying. The land is a land of what? Abundance. If necessary, we will take the sufferings that go with conquering lands. But basically, God ordained abundance for us. What is prosperity? Now, God expects, that's what I mean. He expects to be prosperous. What is prosperity? Prosperity is not everybody living like I have my private jet. No, that's not what prosperity is. If you are not flying, no, God doesn't like ostentation. He doesn't like that. Show off is not part of him. It's called the pride of life. Don't buy a jet if you're not going anywhere. Like one of these musicians said, they say, ah, God, now only private jet remain now. God say, where are you going to? I hope you're getting my point. You don't buy a car just because you want to show it off. If you don't need it, you don't need it. What is prosperity? Prosperity is having everything you need to do the will of God in your life. And beyond that, to have that to help somebody with. That's what prosperity is. Abundance is being amply supplied to fulfill everything that God wants you to fulfill at a particular point in time. And having more than enough to help somebody else. That's what it is. God wants us to have food without scarcity. Somebody say amen to that. That was why we began by reading from the book of Psalms, number 144. I'll read it again, and as I read it this time around, please, you can say the amen that you have been itching to see. This is God's plan for you. May your sons flourish in their youth like well-nurtured plants. Amen. May your daughters be like graceful pillars carved to beautify a palace. Amen. May your barns be filled with crops of every kind. Amen. May the flocks in your fields multiply by the thousands. Amen. 
Even tens of thousands. And may your oxen be loaded down with produce. May there be no enemy breaking through your walls. May you never go into captivity. Nor have to run because of alarm in your town squares. The joy of the Lord will produce all of this for you. In the name of Jesus Christ. That is abundance. Let me end today with this because I don't want to come back to this. Now how do we activate this life? That's the point. How do we activate this life? Anything that God gives you has to be claimed. Do you understand? As people say that, no, you don't have to claim it. No, claim it too. You know why? Because this life is full of deception. And I hope you know most of the things you see in life, they are, they are, they are illusions. So Satan can actually paint a problem for you that doesn't exist. I hope you know that. That's why some of these deliverance things that people do, eh? I don't have the time. Because many people have been delivered who are not in bondage. Did you hear what I said? Yeah, they are not in bondage, but they have been delivered. Why are they being delivered? <laughs> I see one man preaching yesterday. Nice message, but that area, I said, bros, you're on your own. He listed about five different things, or seven different things that if there's a curse in your family, you can experience. And I felt like, say, oh, God, all this you have listed now, every unbeliever experiences it too. Yeah, and every, from what you have said, you say if there are idol worshippers in your ancestry, then you, you, you come under a curse. And i like, uh-huh. So, is there anybody who doesn't have idol worship in their ancestry? On this earth? No, no. There's none. It's not deliverance you need. You have been delivered in Christ. So, do you claim your deliverance? Yes. But how? First point. By knowing and acknowledging. That's the first key to claiming your inheritance. Let me just start. Let me, let, I, I listened to them last time. Let's start it now. Again. How do you activate the thing that God has given you? The abundant life. Number one, knowing and what? Acknowledging. There's a difference between the two. Knowing is in your heart. Acknowledgement comes beyond. that. It rises from your heart and comes out from where? Your mouth. That's why he says, let the redeemed of the Lord do what? Say it. You will say it. You will say, I have been redeemed. You will, there are times. The Moabites will come. The Edomites will come. They want to take your land. The Ammonites will come. They want to take your land. And you have to rise up like Jephthah. And say, look, anything that God has given us, we will possess. We will not yield it. I keep on saying, see, this country, oh, I want to go back to the issue of Nigeria again. I'm convinced God has given us this country. So what's the next plan when he has given you? What's the next plan? You possess it. Many people yield it up. Me, I won't yield it up. No, I won't. I, I, I can't imagine myself now selling my business selling my house and selling the land that I have that is not yet developed because I want to give my children opportunity to to get a foreign passport. No, I won't do it. I, I can give you that opportunity though, but I won't sell anything. Because when I sell it and tomorrow now when Bukwara buys it, I will now be talking. 
one of our brothers somewhere in the north. One day, a Christian wanted to relocate from the north. <laughs> and to relocate, the man there to sell his house. You know, he said to me, he said, what pained him? He had to buy the house. He didn't have money, but he said, I must buy this house. He said, to get houses as Christians, especially those who are ministers, to rent in such a place is hard. You can get to a house you've negotiated, you're about to pay. And the man finds out that this person is a missionary. They, they are not renting it out again. And they will say, no, leave it, let it be empty. That's my contribution to jihad. Yeah. <laughs> Some of us don't know what you know, being in war front means. The man will leave a house empty, a big hall that the church wants to rent. Why? It's my contribution to jihad. It will be empty. Nobody will rent it. So somebody now wanted to sell. A Christian wanted to sell a house. And the person who had the cash ready was an allergy. So this brother looked and said, no. We can't lose this one. So he told the guy, what's your price? I want to him, say, I'll buy it. He didn't have money. But he looked for money and bought the house. For just one reason. He said, we can't lose this one too. That you are reduced. This is a, co- Do you, you get what I'm trying to say? We are reducing the amount of real estate that we have. See, you know, motive counts what you are doing. Anything God gives you, possess. I believe that this nation is ours to possess. And if we don't, the Philistines will take it. How do we possess our inheritance? Number one, through knowledge and acknowledging. As part of acknowledging, number two, constantly giving God thanks for it. I'll just summarize this. I don't want to spend too much time. Then number three, you start making petitions. Petition is when you are claiming your right. You see what I said? This is the land that God gave me. I am going to take it. Supplication is, Lord, have mercy on me. I have not done that which is right. Supplication is you are crying for mercy. You are asking God, to show you mercy. But petition is like Abba, Abba. This is what God has given me. I will possess it. Now you cannot do petition except you know what is yours. That's why please it's important the church you go to. Don't let people wear away your faith all the time. They tell you that God does not, all these miraculous things, God doesn't do them anymore. He does it though. He does them more. I hope you're getting my point. Don't, don't confuse what I was saying earlier about miracle is not the primary thing he wants to do. That's the different thing I'm talking about now. Does God heal incurable diseases? Yes. Say yes now. Yes. Does he raise the dead? Yes. Does he supply money supernaturally? Yes. Does he open doors that are closed? Yes. Does he make water flow in the wilderness? Yes. Can he make you flourish in a land that people say there's no prosperity? Yes. Will Isaac sow in the land that everybody is selling and running away from and the same year reap a hundredfold? Because sometimes people have attacked the gospel of prosperity. I know that preachers may have messed some things up. But prosperity is a correct gospel. God wants you to have abundance. I hope you're getting my point. Used cars are good though. My car is used, okay? But you know what? Brand new cars are better. Let's just leave it like that. Whether, okay, why didn't you buy one? I didn't have the faith. Money is not the problem. 
It's faith. Yeah, money is not the problem. It's faith. I didn't have the faith. Now, I don't want to talk about what would mean by faith. If I had the faith, I'm walking across to Costaris. I'm pointing like this. And I'm doing like this. <laughs> and I'm transferring like this. And I'm driving away like this. Amen? Amen? Don't come and say that you see this fine car, all right, does it get you to where the poor car will get you to? It's true. You know, I've also preached that. But in one, I'm enduring. In the other one, I'm enjoying. Okay? Both of them are the will of God. But they have the season. There are times to endure. You, endure. you know, I preach it all the time. Endure hardship. I've never said enjoy hardship. Only those that have a mental problem <laughs> enjoy hardship. I just said endure. Some people, they, don't, they don't get what you are saying. Listen, if God gives me the faith, don't let me say money. If I'm traveling abroad, I'm going business class. But when the faith is not enough, if it's economy, we'll sit down there. But nobody should tell you that they are the same. They are not the same. Stop telling lies. One day, okay, not, not the last time I traveled. One day, my wife and I were coming back from the U.S. I told her, you know what I want to do now? I almost got up from my chair to lie down on the aisle. I just wanted to lie down. I just wanted to lie down. I felt being tortured. Ah! I was looking at those in business class. Say, I'm a man of God. Let's exchange seeds. So, <laughs> sow a seed into my life. And then I turned to my wife. I said, ah! What I wouldn't give now, just so I can lie down. My knees were feeling one kind. But of course, I looked at it. Four more hours to reach Lagos. Yeah! This plane is not my own. I'm just <laughs> passing through. That's, ah! It wasn't nice. So when you see those who are flying business like those, they are not wasting money. They have it. Is it your money? No, because it's the people, the people that like to deceive themselves. Me, I've never, one day I was in Lagos. This story is very, very funny. One man was driving one, sharp, you know, sharp. <laughs> S-class like this. So I was driving one beat-up old hatchback roller. It's my auntie, so it wasn't even my own. So she was there. So I wanted to do one sharp one because there was a hold-up. I wanted to turn up to one, one office. So I quickly went against, you no, know, this other side was clear. This I had hold-up. So I quickly ran down so as to turn. But then man at that point in time, he came in from the other end. He thought I wanted to disrupt the traffic. I wasn't trying to. I just wanted to park. I was going to buy something in a particular store. So as soon as that guy came, he just nosed up to me like this and put that his beautiful nose in front of me. Ah! I looked at the motor. So I started turning, trying to get out of his way because he had a right of way. So my auntie said, I quickly turned so that he won't think because of him that we're running off the road. I looked my auntie. I said, auntie, look the motor. We're not supposed to run. <laughs> so angry. I said, which kind of pride is this one? Look at our old Corolla. Look, if that guy sells this thing, he buys like 55 of these our own. Please, 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 please. Let's not. I, I said, auntie, he's not rich to come off a road. Some of you be driving say, both of us are in Nigeria. If you break that light, you know you are not both Nigerians. Go and break that light first. When you hear Buzza, three months salary, you just, that's, you just broke your three months salary. And you, and you are still driving on that road. Oh, but shift to one side though. Give honor to whom? <laughs> what am I trying to say? If God bless you with a good thing, it's good. 
We are not pretending. We will not have the faith for it yet. I don't want to say money because I try to lay emphasis on faith that because God can do. Look, man shall not live by money alone. God can produce anything without money. I hope you're getting my point. God can bless the particular level. You will not, because waiting at the airport is a waste of godly time. I'm not kidding. If I have the money to buy a small plane now and put it there for lease, I will. Because I see too many ministers who waste precious time. They can't afford a private plane. One day just to get to Joseph because he said the roads are dangerous. We have to come in. Back. Last time I was going, I said, guys, can I come by road? They said no. I begged people that last time I came to this Joseph, it wasn't nice. The amount of time. That was when God had to return. I told you guys the story. God had to return a plane for me. I waited for five hours. I still missed the plane. After waiting for five hours, I just let me go and stretch my legs. My wife and I, we just went down. We came back. They said the plane had gone. I said, how can he go? Make a long story short. One day I just told the pilot, stop. Open the doors. Drop everybody. Next thing, we saw everybody coming down. I've been waiting here for how many hours? At that time, six hours. Is that the will of God? Answer me now. Some people are not convinced. <laughs> Let me tell you the will of God. The will of God as a pilot. Okay. One day we invited a man of God. He told us the story. They said, come to Lagos to preach. He said, I can't. I have something to do in Kaduna. They said, come to Lagos to preach. He said, no, I'm sorry. So next thing, they need, what the excuse he gave? He had a family function that would end in the evening. So the church in Lagos said, no problem. They tapped the pilot. Go and bring him. He said, his phone rang. He picked him. He said, who is that? He said, my name is Captain Susanzo. Captain Susanzo. I've been told to come and bring you. I'm at the airport. Anytime you are ready. Ah. He said, this is a joke. So he told his wife, you want to go to Lagos? He said, why not? Because <laughs> the pilot told him that I can carry four people easily. And it's the same amount of money. So if you have anybody who wants to come with you. His cousin said, pack her bag. He said, Ross, he says, niece, he said, uncle, I did go to Lagos too. So him, his wife, his niece, he got there. They drove right, not this one. They drove right to the, this thing. They came down from the car, walked up. The, that, they literally put carpet down for them. And they landed Lagos at night. He finished his function. First thing the next morning was in church. Chooks, is it not good? <laughs> the Lord is good. Why am I saying all of this? Don't let anybody come and preach to you that it's not good. Bishop Widipo used to say, I believe in good things because good things are good. Don't let anybody lie to you. I've said that we can endure, but we believe God for good things. That's the basis upon which we make petitions. You can say to God, give me a bigger house. Why? My father is rich. That's all. Say, Lord, I have guests once in a while. Each time they come, my children have to move. Why don't I have a dedicated guest room for them? You may have house six bedrooms. Why? My father is rich. What will he do about it? That's his problem. Is he yours? Did I say save money? Did I say steal from somebody? What did I say? Ask the father. He may not do it that day. I don't know when he will do it, but over the next few days, weeks, months, maybe a few years, you will see he will move you from that two-bedroom flat one day you look, you actually have a six-bedroom house and it's yours. And you know it won't make him poorer. It, it won't stop him from answering the next person. So I'm putting that if God answers me now, there will be nothing for Chooks. So let me not ask God for anything that says so that Chooks can get a new thing. Chooks, our father has money. That's what petition is. 
What is supplication next? I said number one, knowledge and what? Acknowledging. Number two, constant thanksgiving. Then number three, petition. Petition, that is when you know what God has given you. You can demand the fulfillment of those things in prayer. Then number four, supplication, if necessary. What do I mean by supplication? Like I said, supplication means what? Asking for mercy. It's important because many of the problems we have in life, we bought with our own hands. And as you grow in Christianity, God will continually open your eyes to see what you are doing wrong. There's only Pastor Courage we preach. He said he learned something over time. That God supplies a lot of needs, but people waste the supplies. He gave a testimony. He found out a lot of things that he needed that God was actually already supplying. And all God gave him was wisdom. So he plugged waste. And God supplied dramatically for him. That's what I mean. That sometimes we need to repent. That's what I mean by supplication if necessary. We need to ask God for mercy. I don't know one thing that applies to everybody. But as you go on in life, God will open your eyes to your own thing. And then next. Okay. Number five. Confession of the, of the word. Now, what I mean, prophetic declaration. This is, must be in your mouth all the time. I chose the word confession because I wanted to combine two things. One being meditation on the word constantly. And number two, prophetic declaration. Psalm 23. See, there are times you will look. You look at your store in the house. You look at your pocket. You look at your bank balance. Put your, your card, all right, your debit card there. And speak the word to all these things. What are you speaking? Like I said at the beginning, you don't need to be innovative. Speak the written word. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He anoints my head with oil. My cup does what? Overflows. What I want is that word overflow. He will make all grace abound towards me. I will have all sufficiency in all things. And I will abound unto every good work. Do you get my point? My God shall supply all my needs according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. You declare that word and say, abundance, come. What do you do? Go and rest after that. Go about your normal business. I'm not saying abundance, come. Suddenly you discover that now you're a businessman that you were not before. You now start hustling up and down. I don't know whether you're getting my point. See, the way God does things, don't say, hey, abundance, come. Suddenly, you go and resign the job. There's nothing else you're planning to do. You are a civil servant. Go back and serve well. Are you not a civil servant? Go there and do what? Serve well. You are a university lecturer. Go there and do what? Lecture well. But don't change your words. Because sometimes it's that place where you are. You know God knows where you are. He knows where you are. And wherever he keeps his way, he'll come and look for you. So don't think you have to run up and down. I hope you're getting my point. You don't need to run up and down. Prophesying the word does not mean you just suddenly decide that, hey, okay, what can I now do? Now, that's why people keep on going from one business to another. People can change career. Today, they are manufacturing. Remember, there was a time that everybody was open, opening pure water factory. Remember that time? Today, they do that now. Only a few handful remains now. Ah, when I first came to Enugu, cyber cafes, everybody was opening cyber cafe. Everybody has shut down now because nobody's, look. We have cyber hands now, cyber phone. Everything is in our hands right now. Please stop jumping up and down looking for what's making money. Pray that God will locate for you where you are supposed to be. 
And when you are there, be patient. Be patient. And that's what I mean. That's the last point. God will give you what? Wisdom for salvation. Yes, he will give you what? Wisdom for salvation. He will tell you, this is what you are supposed to do. One of the things, as a Christian, you must learn. Okay? I think I'm done now. One of the things you must learn as a believer. There are three I said that day. Faithfulness. Responsibility. Trustworthiness. Yes. Trustworthiness. Just make those things your watchword. Let me say this as I close. Don't think that God only blesses what you do. He actually gives you what to do. So I've said people say that, no, you just make up your mind you want to do, then God will bless you. No. Go and pray to him. What should I be doing? The first people that, made, that started making skits and ended up making a lot of money from skits, they didn't know there was money to be made. They were just, that's what they knew to do. It's not because singing is making money. That's what he, he has always done. And that's why he became very good at it. Where am I going? Stop jumping up and down looking for what works. Pray that God will settle you where you are supposed to be. God will turn the industry around and bring prosperity to your own place. That's what he will do for you. I've spoken enough for today. I think it's time to just bow down our heads and thank God. Oh, thank the Lord. Based on what we have preached, uh, you know, towards the end now, ask God to give you your own wisdom and help you establish yourself where you are supposed to be. Say, Lord, give me the wisdom for my own salvation.